Welcome to How to Get a Job College Student Edition, the podcast for first-generation and minority college students. Each episode will feature topics such as highlights from students who have completed the Mastering College to Career Mentoring Program, networking opportunities, and unique insights from industry thought leaders. So if you're looking for your guide to success, you're in the right place. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the live edition of How to Get a Job podcast. Uh, we used to be called Mastering College to Career Podcast, but we renamed it. But I'm super excited for today. We're doing this live because we were also at here at LinkedIn. But if you're listening to this or on the podcast, welcome. If you're watching this on YouTube, welcome. And if you're here on LinkedIn, welcome, welcome, welcome. So today, I have a very special guest. I have Briar. She's the founder of Organic career organic uh, and i am so excited that we got connected and she's here she's full of energy uh she's so knowledgeable and i can't wait for all of you to meet her if you uh, have not followed her on linkedin if you haven't you're missing out briar welcome how are you doing i'm doing excellent thanks so much for the warm intro so i'm very excited to talk about um really just focus on talking about <sighs> It's such an important topic here, right? How to not let external expectations define you. And you've been defined by external expectations. I've been defined by external expectations. And just how do we do that? But before we really dive into this, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I I started in New York City. Uh, So I was originally from the north. Um, I've since moved down south in 2002. 10 uh, to the Atlanta market. So I've had experience kind of being in New York City as well as Atlanta. And I was a really young general manager. Uh, I worked my way through uh, Crunch Fitness while I was still in college, taking crazy credits, 17 to 21 credits a semester, plus working full time, babysitting on the weekends. Uh, So I was what most people call an overachiever, although I don't really like that term. Um, And so I I worked a lot in New York City and then ended up traveling for my career. Had a really robust career by the age of 25. Um, And then decided I wanted to kind of move on, new market. uh, And I started my entire career and life over in the Atlanta market from the ground up. So, yeah. And and tell me a little bit more about um, career organic. What yeah. motivated you to start that, and yep. what do you what do you all do? Yeah, so so career organic um, really came from me leaving corporate America in 2013. I had been working, you know, growing talent. I had a 500 staff at the peak of my career at age, you know, 26, and I loved the development of my teams. I loved getting to know them, their unique situations, finding those organic growth opportunities, because I loved to promote from within. Uh, And then I also liked looking at candidates that I was interviewing as a hiring manager from a different perspective, not what they looked like, not what age they were, but really what was the talent? They didn't have to necessarily come from the industry, but what was the talent, that, that gem that no one else was seeing that I could pull in and I could cultivate and really create success for them and the business? And so when I left corporate America in 2013, you know, I thought it was going to be a part-time thing. Like, hey, I'm going to enjoy you know, raising my family. I had my son in 2013 and I'm going to you know, work with people part-time, doing some coaching, interview prep, resumes, all of this. 
And it just continued to grow and I loved it. And so Career Organic really came about 2018. I incorporated, I had way too much business to handle by myself. I had to hire an entire team, started scaling very quickly and, and had to put operating processes in place. And so what we do now in you know 2021 is we work with clients uh, on resumes, cover letters, LinkedIn profiles, bios. We do interview prep uh you know, negotiations, um, uh, comp package, a lot of comp package negotiations right now, um, a lot of interview prep, and then career navigation, you know, someone that wants to restart their career, a lot of people are having the career epiphany right now, where it's, you know, I'm not motivated in what I'm doing, I really want to change course, but I have no idea what that first next step is. And so we do that coaching, we create that strategy. And then additionally, we work with group coaching so that, you know, people that maybe can't afford that one-on-one -on -one price point, we offer a ton of group avenues. We have a career organic community that's free on LinkedIn. It's a great group, you know, where we try and, you know, post job postings and career motivation and also guides and tips uh, to really help people at any level, wherever they are and meet them at any price point. I love it. I, I think that it's just so amazing. And just I, I encourage everybody to utilize a career coach. And I and I think that it's and I'm telling you, I've seen this over and over, whether whatever, like just look into it. I know that it's not as common as it is when you're thinking maybe as a personal trainer, if you're in the gym or in that, but right. it does pay a huge return investment, not only just in the salary negotiation part of it, that you can negotiate and so many people just fail to negotiate or negotiate properly. Or even to the point to seeing a bigger bird's eye view of what the job market is and letting you know, like, hey, there's actually better opportunities that you're underselling yourself. Yes. You can qualify for, that you can go after for, right? And so that's something that a career coach can provide, uh, let alone the relationships that the, the, they might have, their company might have with companies that allow you to kind of get to the interview faster and just the insight and just uh, a lot less stress. Um, a lot more guaranteed success or even faster results. So um, if you've okay. never considered, yeah. It's all, it's all about the strategy. What I find yeah. is that a lot of clients, and that's why, again, career organic, you know, the word organic for me means a ton of different things. Um, you know, I'm a cancer survivor. I went completely organic eating um, and killed my cancer um, and have stayed, you know, cancer free because of that. But additionally, you know, most professionals out there have this inside them. They just need the mirror. They just need to see it. They need someone to kind of pull it out and then put it, package it into a strategic, you know, direction and path for them to be able to action on it. And, and I yeah. find that most professionals that are doing well have those tools and map that out. And, and that's how they're so successful. And then the people that are, are struggling or even don't know the full potential that they have. They just haven't written it out. They haven't created that strategy and they, they don't necessarily have an accountability partner in their life to really drive it home. And so coaching, you know, career coaching in general has a stigma of like, you know, we're, we're sitting there having fluffy conversations and, and I'm an accountability partner. And I have a lot of clients that have ended up um, kind of outsourcing their payments for those sessions through their organization because they've grown so much. And so yeah. it's really cool to see when that turns. Yeah, and, and, and I'll, I, if, I'll find it curious to hear what your thoughts are, but like, I, I think that even when I think about like the, the, the best in the world at their craft, whether it's an athlete like Michael Jordan 
or or you even think about just just anybody who's number one in their craft, even the singers, right? They all have coaches. They have singing yeah. coaches. They have performing coaches. And why not have a career coach? Why? What? Like I just to me that that should be something you should be investing. If you're spending more time at work than you are at home, why not? have someone that's going to advocate for you tr- help you be strategic hold you accountable and so um i yeah i definitely found that I, i'd be very curious to know um uh, as we sh- we shift to the you know the topic of the day how has external expectations um affected you as you go through your career yeah i i so being a really young professional in a management role so I was exposed to a lot of external perceptions, right? Everybody just looked at me and, you know, I had to hear, oh, you're a baby face. Oh, you're a kid. Oh, what are you doing in this position? Um, And I was also told a lot that, you know, because I was a kid and I air quote kid, right? Because I wasn't a kid. um, I was a young adult. (laughs) And, and it was, because of that, you're going to have to work harder. Like, I'm not going to give you the easy road just because you're young and, and I found that those kind of trials and tribulations, they actually made me 10 times better in my career because I was constantly growing because of the challenge. You can't grow without that challenge there. But what I also see is if I hadn't had that perseverance and that like attitude, because, you know, I was a, I was a freshman starter on the varsity girls basketball team in high school. And so I was already going through that kind of adversarial relationship with people. They did not like that. I was, you know, the only freshman starter and I kicked a senior out of my, this, her starting position, which is lovely. Um, but I had to deal with that. I had to, you know, deal with those relationships. People always judging me, you know, Oh, was I the coach's pet? Was I this, you know, there was always some sort of perception about me that was cast upon me and I, I got to hear everything. And so going through that throughout high school, it set me up to say, Hey, I don't really care. Like I loved playing ball. Like that was super important for me. And so having that perseverance really helped me see that it didn't matter what people were saying or thinking or doing to me or about me. It was what I did. Could I show up and actually perform? And if I could do that, then I conquered all of the naysayers and it wasn't about conquering them. It just, it happened as a kind of a part of that process of me moving through it. And so when I got to my career and and I became an assistant general manager, my general manager did not want to promote me just because of my age. She, she had a, like, it was a stigma. She just did not like that she had worked 10 years to become a general manager. And here I was, I'm still in college. And I was about to get my own club in New York City. And there were only 10 in New York city. And I was on the roster for that. And so I constantly got the, the doubt, right? Like they, they constantly tried to give me things to doubt myself about so that I would lower the bar and the overall expectation, say of all general managers. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. I've experienced very similar things in my career. And that's kind of why, like when we were thinking about what to to talk about we you said on this and on this topic and and it makes a lot of sense and i think it, you have to be very strong mentally to not 
take that feedback from that particular manager and say, okay, why is she giving me, why is she trying to get me to lower my, just because that's her goals and aspirations. Maybe that's where she got comfortable and stopped putting that extra effort. Why should I not put it, put less effort so that like she can feel comfortable or he can feel comfortable? Well, it's, it's, you know, what I, what I found is, um, and, and I had to develop this, but there's insecurities there, you know? And so they're masking their insecurity by, putting you down. And, it, and it's funny because it continued to follow me because I, I moved to Saks Fifth Avenue and I was a general manager for a salon and spa there. It was 10,000 square foot facility in Saks like flagship. Yeah. And then I grew into a regional director. And so I had the largest region for the United States and it was a Canadian owned company, but largest, literally largest profitable region for the entire company. And I ran my business. Like I was really good at what I did. I did the relationship with the Saks Fifth Avenue executive team. I was on site. I was constantly traveling. And I had a VP come in and was promoted to be above me. And she just didn't like me. She, I was like too energetic, too young, too sassy, you know, because like I, I always did my hair with the trends. I was in my pencil skirt. Like I owned the sax role and she hated it, like completely hated it. It was just a personal vendetta. And so I had to realize, okay, is this a viable option for me to stay and like deal with this toxic work environment or do I need to move on? Yeah. And I I didn't run. I absolutely didn't run. I said, this is strategic for me. I'm not going to grow if I have somebody who's judging me on something that has nothing to do with the business. And it was a great move for me. That's actually what brought me down to Atlanta. That's amazing. I, I, one of my favorite books of all times is uh, a book called a man's search for meaning. I don't know if you've heard about that book, mm-hmm. but one of the biggest lessons, and I'm, I was trying to find it and maybe I'll find it in, in a second. Uh, I, Cause I can't pronounce the author's name. I was telling you how terrible I am with, with his names, but it's this Jewish uh, doctor that was in a concentration camp that essentially kind of talked about how he would see people survive or die during this concentration camps just based on how they thought about about yeah. the situation right yeah and the biggest takeaway from the book for me and was essentially that there's internal and external locus of control and internal locus of control essentially says that uh everything that happens to me it's my control right mm-hmm. well, whether if i get the promotion it's because i worked hard to get the promotion but at the same time everything that bad happens to me is also my fault, right? right? So right. Um, I, contr- I control the good and the bad. And the people who have an internal locus of control um, definitely see long-term success and just see uh, just success throughout their whole life uh, because they understand that the effort correlates to the-, the They the drive it every right? day, yep. And the opposite side of this, the, the equation is external locus of control where everything that good, it's good happens to me is, oh, I got lucky. Like, so luck is great, you know, and then everything that bad that happens to me is everybody else's fault, but not mine, the government, uh, you know, everything else, right? So you blame a third party. And when when I think about this, like for all of you, and I see a lot of great questions here, I want to make sure that you are and you are actively thinking, what can I control? What can I do? What can I do? Like, if I want this job, if I want this promotion, what can I do? It doesn't matter if the manager 
that is upset that I'm going to get it, uh, the promotion over her. Um, she has an internal locus of control, but that, that doesn't right. matter. You need to focus on what you can control. Um, and look, yeah. I get it. Every day is not going to be like that. There's some days that I, I catch myself saying, God, I'm so unlucky. Right. Uh, and, and this happens to me, but if you can live 80% of your time yeah. just thinking about what you can control and I think or, that conversation, or even, or yeah. even end that thought. Right. So like, you're allowed to have those thoughts where it's woe is me. And I mean, like, I, I think about it from this perspective, I, I had cancer in 2014. My son was one. Okay. The first thing that came through my mind was like, oh my goodness, this is not happening to me. Yeah. And then I, I was allowed to think that. And I allowed myself to think that for like five minutes. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do about it? And that literally changed my trajectory. Yeah. I had stage three cancer. It was spreading through my body, like not a good, literally not a good prognosis, especially like I lost my voice, vocal cord par paralyzation. I mean, all of it. And I, yeah. I never once allowed myself to end the day. And so like, if I could give a tip for someone who you're allowed to feel, you know, like the victim, you're allowed to feel like things are not going the way you want them to. And you do need to allow those emotions to kind of run through. But then at the end of the day, how are you going to take action to make it better? And that for me was absolutely my success when I was young and is still my success today. Yeah. I, I commend you for that because- if there's one situation where you're like, you know what, I can't control that. It's cancer, right? It's like, but and, you didn't. Yeah. And I, and, and what's funny is I had recurrence in 2018 and I had introduced sugar and carbs back into my diet. Cause as I said, completely organic, like very healthy eating for years and years, four years, no cancer. As soon as 2018 came, I was like, you know, I can have a piece of pie in the holiday. Oh, I can have a piece of pizza from time to time. Uh, Unfortunately, no, that's, that's a hard no. Cause I went in for my checkup and I had growth back in my neck and immediately that day I made the decision. I'm never going to introduce carbs or sugar or anything like that. It's just going to be a lifestyle for me. And so I said, I'm in control of us. Like cancer does not have control over me. I have control over what I'm going to feed it or not feed it. Yeah. And since then I I've been extremely healthy. Like I've turned everything around and it is, I live every day with that intention. Uh, that's incredible. And yeah, and, and, and I think that's a powerful lesson there. And it, it, again, it's the lesson that I took away from the book, but you, you, you're living it. I think you can, your, your thoughts and how you look at, you know, can really change the outcome of your life um, and not letting others define you. And right. uh, one thing I, I want to bring up, it's like, um, and this is, uh, at least I experienced this, it's the... Um, your loved ones, like my mom, right? My mom, I, I, my dad died when I was three years old and I'm an only child. So to my mom, I'm the world, right? And my yeah. mom is the world to me, right? Now, my mom didn't go to college. Um, my mom and I moved here to, when I, to the United States when we were, when I was eight years old with $2,000 in two suitcases, right? And worked seven days a week, making less than $2,000 yeah. a month, right? Now, when I was going through college, I remember... I got an internship and I was super excited about it. And this is a non-paid internship. And I go to my mom and I'm excited. I'm a sophomore. I got an internship, right? And I go, mom, I got it. She's like, okay, well, great. What does that mean? Oh, great. How much are they paying you? And I go, mom, it's free. It's all about getting experience. And she goes, in your Spanish voice, Daniel, tú eres un idiota. Uh, uh, why are you working I do for understand free? what you yeah. said. 
<laughs> Why are you working for free? You're gonna let them take advantage of you. And look, I mean, God bless my mom. She means well, and 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 I necessarily would have not necessarily be the one that tells you to go do a free internship. Now I think there's a lot of paid internships, but at that point I didn't know any better. And if I let my mom's expectations of I should be working, I shouldn't be doing yeah. work for free, I shouldn't be doing things like I would have affected my long term career uh, outcome. And it's not that she doesn't mean well; like she means fantastic, she means well. Yeah. But her experiences are different than my experiences and her life, her, the way that she's lived life, which is all about defense. She's my mom is very mm -hmm. defensive mentality and I'm like offense, it changes. And that her expectations, her external expectations about me has a, had a huge influence. But if I didn't say, Hey mom, I understand where you're coming from. I know you love me. I know you want the, the best for me, but I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. Yeah. And that is hard. That's powerful, though. What's 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 interesting, though, when you're talking about your mom versus you is because uh, I do like a lot of human needs coaching, like the psychology behind why we do the things we do. And um, and it's like your mom is this certainty driver. Right. So she wants to be able to check the boxes. And that that was what helped her come here, survive and raise mm -hmm. you to be amazing. Right. And you are the uncertainty check mark where you're like, I like transition. I like growth opportunity. I like being challenged with new things. And so you're having two different conversations. And, yeah. and the fun part is, is like in the workplace, this happens all the time. Yeah. People are just having different conversations. They're talking about the same thing, but the agenda is different, right? So your ability to be in transition mode constantly is not the same as say your boss who likes to check boxes. Yeah. And so when we learn to have these conversations and not take those perceptions and expectations as personal digs versus like, hey, they're just running their agenda, but their agenda is not going to affect mine. Does that make sense? Like it, it's a totally new ball game. Yeah. You're able to come and play because it, you're not you're not hurting from someone else putting their own thoughts and their own judgment on you. It's like, hey, you're allowed to have that, but I'm going to own yeah. mine. I think it's interesting and I've found that most people in this world are good. They mean good. They want the best like for you and for themselves, right? Like, and when someone in the workplace or even now, like they might say, you know what? I, I think that we shouldn't hire this recent college grad. They don't have enough experience. Like it's not that they, like having a, a vendetta, like like agenda against you. Like they're not going after you particularly. It is just their experiences that have shaped okay. their life. And if maybe if we take a, 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 a some time to put ourselves in their shoes, what has caused them to to feel that way, right? Or I think most problems can be solved with communication and with um, just understanding and putting ourselves in the other person's shoes. Yeah. Well, and, and being open to new perspectives, yes. right? Yeah. That's like, key. Like when, when you think about, okay, well, should we hire this person or this person? Right. So like, should we hire people that don't have experience versus someone who has 10 years industry experience? It's, you know, looking at, Hey, I'm going to challenge that, you know, my programming tells me inexperienced people don't work hard. Yeah. Like, right. Like you, you have, oh, okay, well that's the perception that I grew up with and it's not how I grew up, but, but like, this is what's happening. These are the internal conversations people are having. And when they become external, we're not sharing the context from which we 
created that thought or that perception, right? And so if we're not talking in context, we're not actually communicating with one another. Yeah. So once no. you bring context to the, the situation and someone says, well, you know, I really, I, I've had people, well, I really like female bosses. And it's like, okay, have you had a poor male boss? And it's like, yes, this one guy, right? And they, they talk about this situation and it's like, okay, well, that experience has shaped this pers perspective you have. So I get the context, but we can change that story with a new person. It doesn't define, like, as we're saying, this expectation doesn't define you yeah. or your inability to work with a particular person. It's your inability to work with that person. And so I think when we, when we get more granular, when we think about that from a hiring perspective and a team perspective, uh, like we, you know, I posted today is like, would you, would you hire someone 20 years older than the entire team? Like, do you think they'd be a good fit? And it's like, I hear this question constantly because like, you know, ageism, whether it's younger or older and it does exist, but those are the conversations. It's, well, that person that I worked with at such and such company didn't know how to use Salesforce. It's like, not everybody over 40 doesn't know how to use Salesforce. It was that person. Yeah. You know, let, let's get to the context of why you think the way you do so we can change the story. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this is again, my thoughts on this, like the, how does our, the way that we kind of like take things, like we live in such a instant gratification world. Yeah. We live in a social media world where it's just a very headline world, very clickbaity world. Right. And therefore we make a sun, like we, we, we read a headline of something without reading an article, without further doing investigation. And then we make that correlation later on and say, well, like all people that did that, that, right. that are like that, then everybody else matches that, right? Like, right. and we create these stereotypes. And then I feel like that then affects how we make decisions. And I, I don't know how much of that has to do with social media, you know, like the, um, it's just really interesting in how that then affects it. Well, and I think, I think it's, Yes, social media allows you to see more of those thoughts. And then when you see, you know, say 50 people immediately comment and, and form an opinion that quickly, it's very yeah. easy to want to like adopt that opinion. And so yeah. I, I think it's more a, a, a patience piece yeah. that most people don't have the patience to be introspective. It, it takes yeah. work. I mean, it, it literally, like I say, I live each day with intention. It takes a lot of energy and work to do that. Like, it's not, I wake up and it just all happens automatically. Like I have to stop, you know, if I, if I'm going, if I'm annoyed at, you know, my kids or they're not listening or whatever, I have to stop and calm myself down. And that does take work. And so I think that most people approach their life now with a little bit of impatience. They, they won't wait to be introspective. They won't take that time or energy. And I'm not saying like everybody's doing this, but I think we all fall into that trap because it is easier to just move forward and adopt somebody else's thought or process. Yeah, absolutely. If there's one main takeaway that you want to give to the audience that's listening to this on how to not let external expectations define you, what would you say that that would be? I would say to celebrate your wins. So, you know, when we don't stop to take account of the little incremental wins that we have on a daily basis, we stop thinking about how our value is perceived by ourselves. 
and we start taking into account how others are perceiving us and that's how we get our defined value. So if I could tell you know, one piece of advice, it's every single day, account for one win you had so that you end the day on a positive note with the thought of, I can do something and I did something well. And I think over time for the people that don't innately drive that introspective thought process, this helps them start that conversation and stop the internal critic. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking like for me, my, my advice, if you do not like, so, so that you do not let ex external expectations define you as this. I think that the more clarity you have on what you want to accomplish with your life, the less you're going to let external factors affect that. Right. And I would tell you, if, especially if you're listening to this and you live in America, I think that um, you could truly, truly accomplish anything that you set your mind to it in, in America. Now, with that being said, depending on the goal and how big you're dreaming, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot. Yeah. Right. Um, and so the bigger the goal, the more sacrifice that it takes to get there, right? Like if, and I, I think it's easier, like if you wanted to be a CEO of a fortune 500 company, I think you can do it. Now, I also read a statistic that the average CEO is reading 60 books a year. Now, are you even reading anything near that? Now that's someone who's already made it. What do you have to do to get there? Like you can't just do like, so there's a lot of sacrifice that comes the higher you go after. Now, um, I also think that the best way to reach any goal is to learn from someone who's done it. So um, I think external expectations, uh, external um, expectations can be helpful too, especially if there are people that have accomplished the goal that you've accomplished. And, and I, I want to think like if, if so I, I think about it, like for me, like I'm very goal oriented and I say, okay, what's the goal that I'm trying to accomplish? If, I spend the majority of my time with the people who've already accomplished it. Trust me, with time, I will accomplish it too. Um, if That's I want to get in shape and my four best friends are all have six packs, trust me, with time, we'll have six pack. Why? Because they'll probably spend a lot of time at the gym. They're yeah. probably not going to go to McDonald's, right? So their little things will then impact you. Now, that's why okay, I'm bringing this to full circle to my mom because I love her and I pick on her when it comes to career. I love my mom, but when it comes to career, that's not someone that I'm letting her external expectations define me. Yeah. Right. Now, when it comes to being a good mother or being a good a family member, she's the best. Supportive. Yeah. She sacrificed everything for me to be here. So um, I think that's how I would approach it. Any last words that you want to share before we kind of wrap this up? Yeah, the uh, you know, just on the last note that you made, you know, especially college students and college grads. I often see that parent telling them how to go about their job search. And all of those little nuggets of advice are based on, you know, their job search maybe 10 years ago, which is completely outdated now. You know, we're, we're in the middle of like coming out of COVID and lots of remote work and like everything has completely changed. And so we need to pivot. Um, so to, to the college student who's got the, the family that's like, just apply to anything and... <laughs> Just get a job, get get your hands on something, take it. I don't, you know, don't negotiate, whatever. All of those things are coming from a place of love. And I completely understand that. And I've had a lot of conversations with students and grads about this and even their parents. Um, getting really good, tangible advice, 
comes from having tools to execute on a strategy. And so when you are looking at the market, you know, and I will say, you know, career organic, that that's our goal is to get content out there. That's tangible that you can work with, that you have a guide or a tool or, you know, five day guide to writing your resume. Like it is specific so that you can take action on it and it's relevant to the market. So when you do research to get to that next level, make sure that you don't take it personally when your family gives you advice that you don't think is right, but go out and actually vet the sources that you're getting that advice from and make sure that there are tools that you can action on that work for you. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, this has been awesome. Awesome conversation. Um, if you are first finding out about Briar and what she is doing, the amazing work they're doing at career organic, follow her. I tagged her in the second comment here, follow her, follow her, follow her. Thank you so, so much for joining me. Um, you're great. You're great. It, it, was, it was my pleasure. And uh, no, thank you for having me. Thank you. And for everybody else watching, if you're watching the replay, uh, still connect with us, ask us questions. I will come back to this thread and answer any questions that you all might have, whether it's related to this topic or not. Um, and if you are listening to the podcast, thank you so much and catch you guys on the next episode. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to How to Get a Job College Student Edition. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. And if you use Spotify, go ahead and give us a follow so you'll be notified whenever we upload. Until the next time, catch you guys on the next episode.